everybody, it's finally here. Thank you for joining us on the inaugural edition of the Student Section Podcast, where we talk all things college sports. I am so glad to finally get this project underway. It's been under development for quite a while now, and I'm super happy to finally get this first recording underway. So, first episode here, it's going to be about a 20 to 30 minute deal. We're going to talk all things college football, everything ahead coming ahead this week, the games I like, the bets I like, and what it, they all mean for the grand scheme of things going forward in college football. So, if you like all that, stick around, and we're going to get underway here with Syracuse and Clemson for our first feature game of the week. Thanks for joining us once again. For Georgia Tech, DJ looking, now forced to leave the pocket, throws back in the end zone, that's a strike, and it's a touchdown. Bo Collins got free in the back of the end zone for six. All right, everybody, let's get right into it with our first feature matchup of the week. That'll be number 14, Syracuse, at number 5, Clemson. This will be a noon game over on ABC. Clemson sitting very pretty right now at about a 13.5-point favorite, and the over-under sitting at 49.5 going into this one now. Right away, this is the game of the year in the ACC. I mean, two undefeated teams that are tied for the division lead over in the ACC Atlantic Division, and the winner will control their own destiny in getting to the championship game in Charlotte come December. And I think really one of the more underrated storylines in this one that nobody's talking about is how this is creating one of the more intriguing coaching matchups in college football this year with Dino Babers and Dabo Sweeney. I mean, Dino Babers is really the rags to riches story here. He's going from the hot seat to the potential ACC coach of the year. And alongside that, he's going for the biggest Syracuse football win this century. I mean, when can we remember the last time Syracuse was this relevant in football? They are the nation's Cinderella. They're looking for their best start to a season since their last undefeated campaign in 1987. And a win Saturday would give them their longest win streak since 2002. So how have they done it? I mean, really, when you look at Syracuse, you got to start from the top down with Coach Dino Babers, who we've already mentioned. But... A peg below him is quarterback Garrett Schrader, who, I mean, you can't say enough about what he's done for this team this year. He's completing 70% of his passes. That's top 10 in the nation. And his touchdowns outnumber his interceptions 12-3, to good for a 4-1 to ratio. This is a guy who's going to protect the ball. He's going to take what a defense gives him. And he's going to put you in the best possible position to win a game late. And I really like his decision-making late in games when watching a bit of their film from their earlier matchups this year. I liked what he did down the stretch against teams like Virginia. And, I mean, you're I think really if Syracuse wants to have a chance in this one, you're going to have to see a clutch performance from their quarterback. But aside from him, this has been the Sean Tucker show all season long. This guy is what makes this offense click. And he's even kind of responsible for part of Schrader's success. I mean... Syracuse success late in games, excuse me, has been based upon their effectiveness in the play action game. And that's set up by Sean Tucker, the home run hitter at running back. So without a strong rushing performance, this offense just simply cannot achieve that extra dimension of creativity that we've seen in their best games this season. Now, looking at Clemson. This is a team coached by Dabo Sweeney that's trying to return to the top. I mean, they missed the ACC conference title game last year after being winners of six straight conference championships. That's got to be on their mind going into this one as they're going to effectively punch their ticket to Charlotte with a win. So forget your narrative with this team. As we said, we're starting for the top down. DJ Uyunglele is an elite quarterback in college football this year. He's completing 65% of his passes for 1,600 yards, 17 touchdowns, and two interceptions. 
And this is a guy who's not just padding his stats against the cupcakes. He has looked good in some of the biggest situations against top competition this year. Against number 21, Wake Forest, 371 yards, five touchdowns, no picks. Against NC State, number 10 in the country at the time they played him, he completed 70% of his passes for 200 yards and a touchdown, no picks. At Florida State in a very hostile environment last week, completed 65% of his passes, three touchdowns, no picks. Remember, folks, this is a guy that people were predicting to lose his starting job to a freshman at the beginning of the season, and that's no disrespect to Cade Klubnik. But right now, we are seeing from DJ Uyunglele what we saw from his 2020 breakout, breakout campaign when Trevor Lawrence went down. Outside of him, we've got the running back, Will Shipley, who has quietly been the driving force behind this Clemson Tiger offense. The guy's averaging six yards a carry. He's a very physical back for a 5'11 frame. And really, what I'm excited for on Saturday is the battle between him and Sean Tucker running the football. These two guys have 1,500 combined yards and 14 touchdowns between the two. I mean, these are two of the top five backs in college football, bar none. And what makes the matchup all the more intriguing is they're going to be going up against two of the premier run defenses in college football. Syracuse is top 10 in the nation in total defense, allowing 12.5 points a game. And Clemson at home this year, as as we mentioned before, they're on a 37-game home winning streak. But at home this year, they're allowing just 13 points a game. And this defense is really heating up. I mean, the trenches are going to be a place to watch. Miles Murphy up to five sacks on the season. He's got a forced fumble and two passes defense as well. And Xavier Thomas starting to break out onto the scene with two sacks. And, of course, we can't talk about the Clemson defense without talking about All-American Brian Brissy. Since this Clemson defense has been back to full strength, they have been unstoppable. So that's going to be one of the major storylines in this game. It's midnight for Cinderella, folks. Syracuse. Will they be able to get it done? I don't think so, but I think they're a pretty safe bet to cover here, especially with the two-touchdown threshold that we're looking at. And I think if Syracuse wants to have a chance in this game, the only chance they're going to have is if this game goes under. Syracuse is not beating a team 42-35. They're just not. A lot of their big wins this game, this season rather, have been 20-13, to 20-15. This is a team that's going to smother you with its defense if it wants any chance to win in this, games, in this game. So I've got Syracuse and the under. Let's do it. Let's move on to the next one. Jake Thompson Robinson. End zone and touchdown. And a quick snap of the football to go along with it. They've got a big three. Led by number one. He has done it all tonight. We saw All right, on to another potential game of the year here. We've got number nine UCLA at number ten Oregon. This one will be at 3.30 p.m. on Fox. Oregon currently sitting comfy at a six-point favorite. Total at 72 points. So from the outside looking in here, college game day will be in Eugene to ramp up the energy for this one. Oregon has not beaten a top ten team at home in over four years. The energy is going to be high for this one, especially because the Ducks have a four-game winning streak over UCLA. And we talked about the rushing offenses in the previous matchup, and in this game, they're really just as good. I mean, 241 rush yards for Oregon per game, 211 for UCLA. These are the top two statistical rushing offenses in the Pac-12. And what makes these two teams interesting is the rushing prowess of their quarterbacks. Dorian Thompson-Robinson for UCLA. He's got four touchdowns rushing on the year and a rushing touchdown in each of his last two games, which have been demonstrative victories over ranked opponents. Bo Nix, eight rush touchdowns on the season. 
he has really developed that that other layer to his game that we just didn't see from him at Oregon. These quarterbacks, both of them here, add an extra dimension to their offenses that really complement their workhorse backs, who we'll, we'll talk to in a moment, or we'll talk about in a moment, rather. When you look at UCLA, we're going to start with them. This is a veteran-laden team that's really starting to find their stride. I mean, Chip Kelly is in his fifth year as the head coach of this team. Dorian Thompson-Robinson, a fifth-year senior at quarterback who's led them throughout the way to this undefeated record. Zach Charbonnet, the Michigan transfer, the workhorse running back, a senior as well. And Jake Bobo, the wide receiver who transferred in from Duke, a senior as well. They are getting all of their production this year from senior leadership. And you start to see that experience where... As we get to the nitty-gritty of the season, as we get deeper in the schedule, experience wins over everything, especially as we get closer to the postseason. So, a bit about uh, uh, Thompson, Robinson, and Charbonnet here. What many people are calling college football's best one-two punch. I mean, DTR now holds the UCLA record for pass touchdowns. He's got a 15-to-2 touchdown-to-interception ratio, and he now ranks top five nationally in QBR. Meanwhile, you look at Charbonnet to compliment him. 615 rush yards and 7 yards per carry. He scored a touchdown in each of his last three games as well. I mean, this option offense and the extra dimension that this rushing attack provides is really what has been UCLA, what's been driving UCLA all year. And I think if they're going to want to beat Oregon, it's going to be on the backs of this rushing game. On the other side for Oregon, we've got Zach Charbonnet versus Bucky Irving who's been Oregon's feature back, although they have been a bit of a revolving door for running backs this year, multiple guys getting a lot of carries. But Bucky Irving's really the guy I wanted to highlight. Irving's got 429 yards, averaging over 7 yards per carry as well. He is a big play back. He's a home run hitter who can really hurt you at any given moment. He scored from 80 yards out this year. He scored from 20 yards out this year. You never know when lightning is going to strike, and Bucky Irving is a big part of that. Looking once again to the Oregon quarterback, Bo Nix, he's a guy who's really hit his stride after a 49-3 loss at the hands of Georgia to open the season. Since being embarrassed in that week one game, Bo Nix has totaled 20 touchdowns and just one interception. I mean, you can't say enough about the bounce back ability of this guy and not letting that one game affect you. He's hit his stride after that loss completely, and he's got a 4-1 to touchdown to interception ratio through the air after that game. Oregon, as well as a whole, has scored 40-plus points in each game since that Week 1 matchup. And it's going to be tough to do against a tough UCLA defense, but they can definitely do it. They've shown over time that they have the firepower to do so. And this is really going to be Dan Landing's first test as a head coach since that debacle in Atlanta. Moving on. After the fade, Duggan has a man open. It's Johnston for the touchdown. All right, last game I want to touch on here, number 17, Kansas State, at number 8, TCU. This one will kick off at 8 o'clock on FS1. TCU currently listed as a a 3.5-point favorite. 54.5 is your over-under. Now, this is once again, I meant to talk about it with the Pac-12. This is once again a conference benefiting from the lack of divisions. I mean, when you look at the Pac-12 back at UCLA and Oregon, who would have formerly been in different divisions... 
both of that the, the game would have meant very little for both of those teams but now with the absence of divisions this is do or die winner will likely punch their ticket to the conference title game while the loser is going to probably need some help and it's the same case over in the Big 12 who's been doing it for years Kansas State and TCU the winner of this one will gain sole possession of first place and control their own destiny of the championship game and I think the first thing you have to look at when looking at this potentially conference-deciding game are the two quarterbacks. It's Adrian Martinez versus Max Duggan. And these are two guys who have both overcome so much adversity in their journeys to get to this point. Now undefeated and one-loss quarterbacks. When you look at Martinez, his years wasted at Nebraska, suffered from turnover problems, never got off the ground with Coach Scott Frost. And then across the way is Max Duggan, who suffered from heart problems, COVID. He was benched for Chandler Morris at the beginning of this year. These are two guys who have been through it. They've gone through a lot to get to this point. And that's why this is really your feel-good game of the week. So... Looking first at TCU and their offensive weapons. You can't talk about TCU without talking about Quentin Johnston in the past couple weeks, the wideout, who has 22 catches for 386 yards in just the past two games. Absolutely insane numbers. You saw it. You saw flashes of it against Oklahoma, and he has come on so strong since that game. And then at the running back position, you've got Kendra Miller, who has had a touchdown in every game thus far in 2022. You can't say enough about his workhorse ability. He carries the ball a lot. He takes a lot of hits, but he has become one of the premier backs in the Big 12. TCU really just has stars over the, all over the field. I mean, I can go on and on about their offensive weapons who are helping out Max Duggan. But I think perhaps the unsung hero of this TCU team is the offensive line. This is a group with four seniors who's allowed just three sacks all season. That's right, three sacks in seven games. This TCU offensive line has been the backbone of this offensive success, and I have not seen anybody talk about it as of late. So if TCU is going to win the game against a tough Kansas State defense, a really talented pass rush, this is what it's going to be about. Now, looking at Kansas State, we mentioned Adrian Martinez, who has completely erased the aforementioned turnover issues. He has yet to throw an interception yet in 2022. You can't talk Kansas State offense either without talking about Deuce Vaughn. The All-Americans got five and a half yards per carry, and I think he is really everyone's favorite player in college football. I mean, the little guy, he runs with tenacity. He runs with ferocity. He is a physical football player. He is the definition of heart and hustle. The only issue I have with this Kansas State offense is they're good, make no mistake, but can they keep up with TCU? Because, I mean, let's put it straight here. If you're not scoring 35 points, you're not winning this game. The winner of this game is going to be up there in the 30s, 40s, possibly 50s. This is going to be a shootout. And that's why I think these teams smash the over-under of 54 and a half, which I'll talk about later. So that's my prediction for this one. All right, now getting into our game picks for this week. Our first one that I want to talk about is Iowa at number two, Ohio State. The Buckeyes, 29-point favorites at home. And I really think this line could jump to potentially 30 or 31 before kickoff. Over-under sitting calmly at 50, hasn't moved a lot. My pick in this one is going to be Ohio State in the under. Because in the end, Iowa's defense is always going to put them in the best possible position to win. They're going to get them the good field position. And I think they'll show C.J. Stroud and the Buckeye offense a little bit of resistance, but it ultimately just won't be enough. I think Ohio State wins this game 
in the 40s, and I don't think Iowa finds the scoreboard, barring some miracle or a potential defensive touchdown. I like Ohio State a lot in this one, and I mean, I want to touch on briefly just a testament to what their offense and their receiving core is about, what Brian Hartline has done and Ryan Day has done with that offense. This is a team who had two receivers drafted in the first round of the NFL draft this past year and then lost Bolitnikoff Award favorite Jackson Smith and Jigba basically in the first 10 minutes of the season. This receiving core has somehow gotten better Despite all that adversity, you talk about guys like Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Ibuka. I mean, the list goes on and on for the number of receivers that have produced for this team. And you're going to see it against a stout Iowa defense, really their first test of the season, because I don't consider Notre Dame a test. But that's my pick for this one. Ohio State, minus 29 points and the under. Now moving to Syracuse Clemson. I've already talked about who I like in this one. I love Syracuse getting two touchdowns in this one. And I'm going to pick the under in this one as well because I think, really, if Syracuse wants to keep this game and keep it close, it's going to be on the backs of a low-scoring effort. Syracuse isn't going to come in and win a game 35-30. It's just not going to happen. So Syracuse in the under in this one. Moving on to another one of our games of the week, UCLA-Oregon. I like UCLA getting the six points. I know they're on the road. I I get it. But, I mean, this is an undefeated team getting six points. I think they went outright, but I mean, especially the total at 72, I think they take the under in this one. I got UCLA in the under. Touching now on Ole Miss at LSU, seventh ranked Ole Miss, that is. Tigers minus two, the total at 65. I like Ole Miss and the over. I mean, this is an Ole Miss team who's not going to stop anybody. They, They allowed 34 points to an abysmal Auburn offense last week, but I mean... When you look at Jackson Dart and all the weapons that he's got, their downhill run game and how effective it's been, this is a team that's going to score 40, 50 points in this game. I don't care that it's at LSU. Give me Ole Miss in the over. Looking at number 20, Texas at Oklahoma State now. The Longhorns six-point favorites at or on the road, rather. The total sitting at 60.5. Give me Oklahoma State. They're not dropping back-to-back games especially six-point underdogs at home. They should feel disrespected by that line. Give me the Cowboys and the over. And now what I see as my pick of the week coming up next here, number 24, Mississippi State, and number six, Alabama. The Tide minus 21 in this one, the over-under sitting at 61. These Nick Saban teams just do not lose twice in a row. But not only do they do not lose twice in a row, they don't have two bad performances in a row. Alabama in a route in this one. I think they win this game by 30, 40 points. I think this 21 line is a joke. And I think this line is going to jump because of how heavy the public is going to be on Alabama. But even if this line goes up to 24, 25, 26, 27, this is still my pick of the week. This Alabama team will win in a route, especially at home. Give me the tide in the over. Finally, we're touching on Kansas State and TCU with Horn Frogs minus three and a half in this one. The total is 54 and a half. Give me TCU in the over. Like I said, I got TCU winning this game, and if TCU is going to win this game, it's going to be in a shootout because I don't think Kansas State can keep up with their offense. So TCU is going to score 45, 50 points by themselves if they find a way to win this game. Give me the Horn Frogs.
Alrighty, moving on to my favorite part of this show to this point, and that's the fan takes. We have two this week, and we're sure to have a lot more next week. So if you want to submit your takes for the show, you can follow us over on Instagram once again at student section CFB. That's student section CFB. We'll have a little poll up on our Instagram story if you want to send in your takes to be featured on the podcast. So the first one is that Tennessee will finish this regular season out at 10-2. and two. And I know a lot of people are going to be mad at this one, but I got to say... This is entirely within the realm of possibility. I get that Tennessee is a potential playoff contender. I get that they're undefeated to this point. But when you see what they have to go through to potentially finish this year undefeated, I mean, a game against Georgia, a game against Kentucky, a game against South Carolina, and then a possible rematch with Alabama in the SEC championship, it would be almost unheard of for a team to come out of this stretch with maybe even one loss. I mean, what they're going to have to go through over these next couple weeks is going to be absolutely insane. And I don't know how that defense is going to hold up. Especially, I mean, granted they beat Alabama, but they gave up 49 points. The defense did not look good at all. And I think these teams who get by on offense and have poor defenses, they're going to wear down over the course of the season. You're going to see a letdown against a Georgia, against a Kentucky, against a South Carolina, maybe against Alabama again. So with this Tennessee 10-2 and pick, I think it is entirely within the realm of possibility. Do not be surprised if Tennessee finishes the season undefeated, but also do not be surprised if Tennessee finishes the season 10-2. and Last take of the day here that Michigan is the best team in the Big Ten. And while I do think Michigan is potentially the, the top three team in the country, Ohio State is the best team in the Big Ten and the country right now. Like I said about their receiving core, nobody can match personnel with this team. Nobody can put the same kind of athleticism on the field that Ryan Day and the Buckeyes are putting out there right now, as much as it pains me to say. But this is the best team in America until proven otherwise. With that being said... Michigan has a very real shot at beating this team. I mean, Michigan's old school style of dominance is just such a breath of fresh air for people like myself who love the run game. Michigan is absolutely, they have a chance to beat Ohio State two years in a row, but I do believe this is an Ohio State team that is better than the team that they beat last year, so it's going to be a lot more difficult for Jim Harbaugh and the Wolverines to do it. All right. With that being said, ladies and gentlemen, that's all the time we have this week. Thank you for joining us on the Student Section Podcast. We'll be back at the end, at the conclusion of this week with recaps, rankings, and much more reacting to what we just saw on Saturday. So thank you once again for tuning in. Follow us on Instagram at studentsectioncfb and visit us online at thestudentsection.net. Thank you, everybody, for joining us, and we will see you in the next edition.